Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Patty Callahan Henry is the author of The Secret Book of Flora Lee, a novel. This episode is guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of the upcoming Zibby Books title, Everyone But Myself, and host of Ask a Librarian. Patty is a New York Times, Globe, and Mail, and USA Today bestselling author of 17 novels, including her newest, The Secret Book of Flora Lee. She's also a podcast host of original content for her novels, Surviving Savannah and Becoming Mrs. Lewis. She is the recipient of the Christie Award Book of the Year the Harper Lee Distinguished Writer of the Year, and the Alabama Library Association Book of the Year for Becoming Mrs. Lewis. She is the co-host and co-creator of the popular weekly online Friends in Fiction live web show and podcast. Patty also is a contributor to the monthly Life Lesson Essay column for Parade Magazine. She is 
been published in numerous anthologies, articles, and short story collections, including an Audible original about Florence Nightingale titled Wild Swan, narrated by the Tony Award winner Cynthia Erivo. A full-time author, mother of three, and grandmother of two, she lives in Mountain Brook, Alabama with her husband. Patty, welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so glad you're here I'm today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Julie. This is great. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to talk about your book, The Secret Book of Flora Lee, which I just finished on, uh, let's see, I finished it two days ago, but I was walking around the house with this book. Awesome. I listened to a portion of it on audio as well, so I want to talk about that too because it was incredible. But I'm a big fan, of course, of You've Got Mail, and Kathleen Kelly just has major vibes for me, and so... When I was reading this book, I told my husband, this book is enchanting. I feel enchanted by this book. It just was so beautifully done. So congratulations. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. And I literally can't think of a word that would mean more to me than enchanting. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And oh. I love Kathleen and, and you've cut me off. And you're the first person who's kind of picked up on that vibe. So yay. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Truly it was, it just kept coming to mind. I thought I'm enchanted by this. And I wanted to say too, that part of the wonder of it for people who want to read it in text, great. It's beautiful that way. But also I think this is one of the most beautifully produced audiobooks I've heard. Cynthia Erivo was unreal. Can you unreal. even believe it? Like, <laughs> okay. So when they were, when they gave, so Cynthia once narrated an audible original that I wrote called okay. Wild Swan, which is a, a short, you know, two hour short story about Florence Nightingale. And okay. it was during COVID. And of course she was out of work. So they hired her to read it and she read it. And I was so, I'm going to steal your word. I was so enchanted with the way she reads that when it came time for this book, I said, can you get her again? And they said, she does, she's never read an entire, she doesn't read novels. And then right. they, and whatever magic they had to use, she said, yes. So I am the first full length novel she's narrated and it is pure magic. I can't imagine. I had that on my list of questions for you was if you had listened to auditions, I mean, how that came to be, because I was wondering, I've heard her sing and perform and she's I mean, incredible. she's won a Tony, an yes. Emmy, and a Grammy. Like, what the heck? And, and now she's narrated a full-length audiobook. I hope I she mean, wins an Audi for it. Then she gets one oh, more thing. Oh, absolutely. Yes, she'll be close to the EGOT, but you know, e-goat, maybe something like that. We can add it. Yeah. No, she was incredible. But I think the thing I liked about it the most is that she really captured the spirit of the book, at least for me. I mean, just listening to it, I thought this is exactly a book I read years ago that I'm constantly thinking about was The Elegance of the Hedgehog. And there's a line in there about consonants. And she said, she described it as, it's the feeling of this is arranged exactly as it ought to have been. And that's how I felt about her with the audiobook. This is this is spoken and performed exactly as it should have been done. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I listened to the oh. beginning. And I was listening to it walking down the sidewalk on book tour. And tears were like 
the woman I was with, Meg, I said, listen, like I made us just stop and listen. I know. You're so right. I actually will listen to books often on a higher speed, right? Because I got things to do, but that one, yeah, right. But that one, I refused to for that exact reason. I thought, nope, this is actually, this deserves to be listened to at the pace that she recorded it. So, oh, I'm so glad. It just, her rhythm and all the things were just well suited to this story. However, brava to you because the way that you structured your sentences, the way that you wrote the rhythm of this book is is part of its magic. So it's just, a it was a joy to read. I don't remember the last time I've felt so moved and invested and involved in a book. Oh, it was, thank you, it was so great. Well, it was a joy to write from the moment I wrote that kind of incantatory opening of not very long ago and not very far away. I wanted the whole rhythm of the book in places where it could yes. to feel that way. Mm. Well, you achieved it. I wanted to talk a little bit about just a few of the things I marked in this story. Now, I went into this completely cold. I didn't read anything about the book, which is how I prefer to read. Me too. And I also, I was fortunate to get an advanced reader copy, but I didn't read the letter from your editor. But then I went back afterward and read it. And if I may, it just, he said, or I'm sorry, she said, Trish, one of an editor's biggest thrills is to find a book by a veteran author who finally hits the big home run. The completely fresh and imaginative tale, she uses all her experience and considerable storing telling skills to write. And I was- Are you trying to make me cry? Oh, I was just, as soon as I read it, I thought that's so perfect. So, I mean, I guess I just want to talk to you a little bit about, is this the story that's been- waiting for you. Oh, wow. Because I look at your career and how long and, you know, you've written so many books and produced so many different things. You're with friends in fiction. You just have so many wonderful ways that you show up in the world. But how does this book fit into that? Was it, how did it feel for you? What an interesting and fantastic question, because I do think, I don't know if it was waiting for me, but I, but I do believe in stories finding us. I mean, I a hundred percent think that my favorite and best stories have been ones that that I have been paying attention and gotten the chill bump and and been curious about it and and taken a deep head dive into it but I do think that this is a culmination of all the things I love right so mm-hmm. I wrote probably 10 or 11 contemporary fiction then I started writing historical fiction starting with a novel called Becoming Mrs Lewis and then started really moving moving deep into historical fiction and this book is a combination of fa- the things I love fairy tales story the british countryside myth fable legend mm. and and then this kind of irrevocable hope that we don't let people take away from us, right? If we're living with hope for something that everybody else is saying is impossible, i.e., I don't know, Julie, a publishing career. So I think that the, your, this I wrote not under contract, which you well know, but for all of you listening means you're writing it, you know, hoping to sell it as an entire book instead of writing it under contract for a publishing house. And so I wrote it on spec, which is what we call that. And I wrote it very quietly 
I didn't, the only person who knew or people who knew I was working on it were my dearest writer pals and my agent. So I think that because of that, I was able to put the things that matter the most to me in the novel. Mm. You feel that just listening to you describe it, there is a magic. I mean, this is, it is a secret book in some ways. And I just, I love that that's reflected in the title. You said one of the themes, stories finding us that you were just mentioning, but one of the lines I pulled out of the book was despair leads us to stories. We invent them so we can live in a world with meaning. And I wanted to ask you, where do you find meaning? Obviously in story, but just on a bigger scale, where where does that come from for you? Oh, I love that. I When I give a talk about story, I always talk about how we, as humans, are a meaning-making people. We Okay, when, psych, when, when there was this huge decades-long psychiatric study, it said if you ask people what they think they want, they always say, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I just want to be happy. But when they took a deeper dive, what people really mean when they say that is they want meaning, purpose and meaning. And they want the things that happen to them and that happen to others and that happen in the world to have meaning because we can tolerate not being happy as long as we know or feel that there's meaning. And there's so many different ways that people find meaning in in their circumstances in the world. And that's, you know, through science, through story, through religion, through spiritual practices, through poetry. And for me, one of the ways that I have found or made meaning out of the meaningless or sense of the senseless has been through story. Um, Either the ones I'm making up or the ones I'm reading. The other thing that grounds me and helps me a lot when things seem senseless is poetry. It kind of brings down the defenses and takes us out of logic and into a different realm where things are connected and things have more meaning because they're connected. And so there are, there are different ways, but for me, almost always it has been, and you as a librarian would probably say the same, it's story. It's what we give to kids. It's how we help them make meaning of things too. Absolutely. Yes. You can reconcile all of these tensions and all of the pain that we experience. That's part of being human it's much easier to to reconcile it or to feel that there is an ability to make meaning through a story. You're exactly right. So yeah, I feel I feel that very much, which is part of why this book was so precious for me as I just, there were parts I read and I thought, oh, that feels exactly like me. So that was a gift. I mean, some books are mirrors and some are windows. So this was both, I think. You did a beautiful job with that. I liked... So about Hazel, who's one of the sisters in the story, and I'm not, I don't want to tell people too much like we were talking about. I don't want to give them too much of a run of this because as you said, I wouldn't categorize this as historical fiction. I would say, I mean, mostly I just say, just read this, like, just Just listen, just do what I tell you to do. Right. I mean, if we're friends, just Just trust me. That's right. Exactly. Don't don't make me me. explain it. Exactly. Yes. But I did like about Hazel. She loved knowing why things happened because if she did, it was quite possible she could keep them from happening again. Are you like this? 
Oh, Julie, I always say that being a writer is often, and you are too, is often like being a psychotherapist. (laughs) So great question, right? So repeat the quote. So I can kind of... Yes, I will settle you in it. But the reason I ask is this is definitely me. So I won't make you only share issues. I love to get, you know, let's, let's just get messy. She loved knowing why things happened. Because if she did, it was quite possible she could keep them from happening again. I think that goes back to, as humans, what we were talking about before making meaning, which is the other thing we're after. You know, we have these 84 billion brain cells and they're after one thing, control, like control the world so that I am safe, right? Scan, look for meaning, look for connections so that I can control it. And when Mm -hmm. we finally realize, and it's usually only for about three seconds at a time, but when we finally (laughs) realize that we have no control, we can check our rankings, we can, we can, you know, send our emails and do our posts, but We can't control who buys and doesn't buy our book. We can't control, we can't keep our loved ones safe. There is a fantastic memoir written by a dear friend of mine called Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott. You've read it. Love that book. Love it. Yes. And she, you know, that's what the book is about, is that we Mm -hmm. feel like we can be this bomb shelter in the world for the people we love, the people we care about. Um, and, And because... Hazel, I mean, it's not a secret. The opening, she loses her little sister. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book is about, is what happens to her little sister, Flora Lee, when when that terrible thing happens. And for the rest of her life, she wants to control the world so that these unexpected things, she's lived through World War II. It's now 1960. She has her life in these neat little boxes. She has her, but she's not doing the things she loves, Mm. but she's, I mean, she loves the bookshop, but she's keeping herself from her one true love, which is writing, but she's got her job, her boyfriend, her parents, her, her mom. She keeps these little tight boxes because to go outside of those or to even look at the past is, is, too out of control. So I think that is her way and our way, meaning you and me, <laughs> saying that, you know, we we try to control things that are in the end, ultimately never in our control. Oh, isn't that the most painful, beautiful truth of it is freeing and awful all mm. at the same time. It is. Gosh, I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Oh, like you said, every it three comes or four in three seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm in a three second cycle, yep. of course, which I think my husband really enjoys. Oh, it's so fun for the people who we live with. Yes, so fun. Yes, I know we're such a delight. They're so lucky. Absolute delight. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Something that I really like that you talk about in the book is you you introduce, you talk a lot about pagan stories. Yeah. And I think what I love that... I appreciated the way you did. There's something in our culture that sets uh, pagan stories against some of the religious narratives, especially the Judeo-Christian ones. And I thought you did a really nice job of including them all and and seeing what was there. And was that what are your what are your thoughts on that when you think about story in that way? What are tell me a little bit more about that? So as a caveat, I am a preacher's kid. So I grew up with the the biblical version of those stories. And in high school, I took Latin instead of a language I might speak when I travel. I took (laughs) an only written language, right? But Why would you want French? (laughs) Yay. Silly. It's really helpful when I go to France. But But what I also studied, because when you study Latin, you study mythology. And... When I began to see how story is built on story, is built on story, is built on story, is built on story, I think that we get, if we open our eyes to that, we see that throughout history, we have been trying to explain our origins, the natural world, spiritual things through these, these stories that all grow out of each other, right? That they're, they're not all that different in the end. Right. And there's an honoring, I feel, for the old stories that we don't discard them because they aren't true anymore, or we don't believe in Zeus, right? Of course we don't. There's no Zeus, right? But yeah, there's an honoring in, in the stories that have led to where we are now. And I, I enjoy that honoring and I'm really fascinated by the overlap of them. And one Mm. of the places they really overlap is with Bridget um, because Bridget Mm -hmm. is both an Irish Celtic goddess and she is also a Catholic saint. And it's the same person and the same stories and they're celebrated on the same day. So how do we rectify that? How do we combine those, how do we hold that kind of non-dualism in our minds and hearts while simultaneously honoring both? So Mm -hmm. I was trying to do a little bit of that. And it's such a minor subplot, but it was important to me because of the overarching theme of, of the importance of story in the novel, that was important too. They're all stories are honored in their own way. Yeah. I I really appreciated seeing that there because I think we tend, I mean, obviously now oversimplification is like the way of the day. And so seeing 
something that holds the truth of things and recognizing that there's a kernel there. So you're, you're, like you said, you're building on what is true and you can discard the trappings of it. And, you know, I just think there's so much to be said there and such a good analogy. I mean, when we try to make something simple, yes, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. But right. I, I mean, when we try to do that with something as ethereal as story or spirituality or psychology or the psyche, yeah. or when we try to keep it simple and in a black and white world and a right and wrong world, do ourselves any good for the complicated ways that we are as yes. as in the human condition does us no Absolutely. good to make it black and white no yeah save uh save that acronym for your budgeting or something really boring and stupid exactly right? for your next meeting yes yes who doesn't love an acronym in a, in a meeting yeah. i did want to say one brief line about the Pied Piper business, speaking of stories and yeah. the naming of that. I really hope that someone got fired for that naming. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to track down somebody in the British government who can explain this to me. It is incredible because we were talking, you know, this is part of the children during World War II being moved out of cities and the idea was to keep them safe, but Pied Piper, I mean, it really is like if we called it today, like the stranger in a van movement or something like, what are we doing here? This is not a good idea. Well, it makes me think of that, the, the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, I love that. Yes. Terrified my children for years. Terrified me. Oh yeah. The child catcher was really, even when I watch that as an adult, I'm like, mom. Andy Lollipop. <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is such a weird movie. It's, it's like somebody had a psychedelic dream and wrote it down. One million percent. Even when I watch it now, I'm a little bit confused when the water comes up on the car and I'm like, so wait, are we in a dream or not? What's happening? So I read this the other day and I remember I knew this a long time ago, but Ian Fleming wrote it. Like James Bond author wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I did not know that. Right? That's incredible. I'm here to broaden your world. <laughs> yes, you are. Ian Fleming. Wow. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to look into that. Man, he must have had some, yeah, yeah. some dreams up in yeah. there. Either hallucinogenic or non. We won't, yeah. we won't say. <laughs> we won't judge. It worked. It worked. I mean, it was, yeah, that's amazing. I really love that. I think something you do really well is you write tension really well. Oh, thank you. And I think it really speaks to you are wanting to pull together opposites or pull together seemingly opposing themes or issues when really there is a middle ground for them. And so you write that really well. I also love the way that you write about love and care. I just thought that it was beautiful. And I really liked the parts that where you wrote about young love a little bit. There was a part, and I won't say anything except that you described it so aptly. You said, needing him to like her and pushing him away at the same time. And why, I just kept going back to that and thinking that is so true. Why is that? Why do you think, like, did you think about that when you wrote it or was it? I think what I was tapping into is the way that we feel when we're 12, 13, 14 on the cusp. And, and 
there's this attraction. I mean, I think almost everyone, unless there's been some kind of trauma, can remember being 13, 14, 15. And there's this like attraction. I can't. Oh, my God. He looked at me. Push him. You know, hit him on the playground. Right. Like there's. Yes. Great fear of being seen maybe, or Mm. being seen for liking them in case they don't like you. And in this case with the, the Hazel is talking about it in this case, she is living in his house because during operation Pied Piper, you lived with strangers. So not only is it multiplied by the fact that they've been living together for a year, but it's not her brother. Right. Right. But they act like it but they're not. So I really wanted to tap into this push-pull of someone is supposed to only mean this to me, but Mm. I think they mean this to me. How am I supposed to know? I'm only 15, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Just, I love the way you express that. And just listening to you talk about that just now, it really makes me realize that even in adulthood, I feel that push-pull when it comes to being deeply vulnerable. Yes. So there's something about vulnerability, and listening to you talk about it makes me realize that that really is your first taste of it, is that sort of young love exposure, which... I mean, even if it's a new friendship. Yes. Right? Indeed. Like, wait, I think they see me. Is that good? Should I keep going Mm -hmm. or, you know, so I don't think anything, like I said, we play psychoanalyst in our novels, but I don't think that ever leaves us. No, I really don't. I think we can grow and learn from it if we're a little self-aware, but in the meantime, I just don't think it ever leaves us. It's so true. I think that was something I really appreciated is when you wrote the way that you structured this, you really do get to see Hazel as an adult and Hazel as a child at the same time. And there's something so true about that where, you know, we're all who we are and also the 17-year-olds we were. We are all the ages. All of them. We ever were. It's so strange. Wow. I want to find out for you, what is... So you, like we talked about earlier, you know, your publishing career, this great act of faith that we hold in in our lives. But what is, from where you are now, what's your favorite thing about being a writer? Oh, Julie, I love that question. I'm so stealing that for friends and fiction <laughs> because I can answer that and it's never what people think it is. Ooh, right? yay. Yes. So people think that you will say it's, you know, I hit number eight on the New York Times list, which was blow my mind amazing. Of Incredible. course, that's awesome. They think you'll say, seeing my name on a book, which yes. is amazing. But there are two things I love the most. And the first is when I'm writing and I lose myself. Mm. I don't know if I'm explaining that right. Where I step out of my limitations and my ego and my needs and my constant longings and desires and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Right. I'm so sick of me. Like I, what I'm stuck with in my head and I'm not there anymore. Mm. I'm on the page and I'm, I'm riding that current and that river. And I 
come back to myself and I'm like, ah, that's, you know, it doesn't happen very often and it doesn't happen all the time. The second thing that is my favorite thing about being a writer is the writing community. Mm. Look, we just met and we're already friends, right? We care about the same things. We're looking for the same things. We're diving for the same things. We're mining our own compost pile for the same things. Mm -hmm. We're trying to find a way to be in the world with meaning and purpose and you know, I've always said that it's the writing and reading community, but Friends in Fiction and same with Zibby's community yes. shows you even more that they're, that the people who care about these things are the best people in the world. I love those answers and that description of really, there are moments, and you're right, they're so hard to find where you feel like, oh, this is, I'm oh, just bringing so these words here, but they're not about me. And it's the most freeing feeling to be separated from. You're so free. Okay. Yes. What's your favorite thing? I'm flipping it. Oh, gosh. You know, I think it is expressing something. I think it's right now when I am able to express something and it resonates with someone. So much of what I write about is motherhood and... Because yours is a memoir, right? It is. And so I think knowing that someone can see themselves in what I've written, because my greatest hope is that it's just... That it it eases it for someone else. Yes, that they find ease or grace in whatever they're pulling out. And so when it becomes not about me or or my story, but just, oh, that resonates for me because it's suddenly about the reader. So I think that's my favorite. I love that. So Madeline Langle says that a book is a bridge mm. between a reader and a writer. And I, I, it, that came to my mind while you were describing it. That's what it feels like. You're exactly right. It is a bridge. I also have a piece that I'm going to send you because you talked about untrue things or the untruth. Was that C.S. Lewis or Tolkien? Tolkien. Yep. That was. Okay. So, but there's a piece by her where that was what she was asked about Bridge to Terabithia, but it is, is it true? Is it true? And it's a beautiful essay and her, I think you'll really oh, love it. send so it to me. I'll send that and to you. And we'll link it in the podcast for anybody who's like, oh, wait, good idea. I yes. want to know. I'll, yeah. I'll send it to, yes, I will share it with all the people. But I wanted to finish this by telling you that when I finished this book, and this was completely accidental, I was sitting at our local coffee place, which is called Inklings. No way. Which is, Yes. Which is named after their group. There's C.S. Lewis stuff and Tolkien stuff all over the place. And I was sitting outside and the sun was coming through the tree and the pattern was on the ground. And I just thought, this is just a moment of perfect synchronicity. Mm -hmm. So I just have to let you know, your book was a gift to me in just this wonderful moment. And I'm so glad that it's out in the world and I can't wait to put it in everyone's hands. Oh, I love that moment. It sounds like a moment of pure grace and that my book was with you. I am so happy. Thank you, Julie. This was so great. And that was like two minutes, wasn't it? (laughs) Yep. Two minutes of time. We're done. I like to make things fast. Two minutes. (laughs) Thanks so much, friend. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.